Brace yourself for Steve Fisher and Byron Tidwell, Old Guys Bitching. I'm Steve. I'm Byron. And we are... Out of Sync. What? (laughs) What did you say? Out of Sync. What do I... I don't know. Well, we're old guys bitching and on different wavelengths. Yes, we are. Oh, and before we get started, I do have to do uh, something I promised, and that is a shout-out to our listener that answered last week's trivia question that you didn't even know about. So uh, our listener is DW. DW is the host of the Erp Fiction Addiction Podcast. That's EFAPodcast.com. Thank you for listening, and yes, you did get it right. It was the theme to Leave It to Beaver. I, I knew that. Uh, yeah. Oh, good. good. I, I'm, I'm... I knew that for some, but you know, when I first heard it, I went, well, wait a minute. Did they use that in Harvey? Because we'd been talking about Harvey, and I said, I don't remember that music in Harvey yet, but I remember it from Leave it to Beaver. And also, another uh, shout-out to our other listener. Hey, we've got two. Our other listener who did let us know that we had technical difficulties, and and so we fixed them. We did. Un un rapido. Yeah, that's what, you know, it takes uh, a podcast to create a community. Or uh, something yes. take, like that. It, take, it takes a village to raise a podcast. It does. Now, I left off last week by saying I wanted to talk about the best way to watch the news. Oh, yes. And no pants. I never finished it. Well, okay. aside from the no pants, that is a, actually that is an excellent way. Uh, <laughs> because actually, what you don't know is that the people on the other side of the camera are not wearing pants. That's like a given in television news. You know, I was getting totally stressed out by watching CNN and MSNBC at night and flipping back and forth and getting the endless panel discussions about one thing every night. And it was usually something to do with Trump or the Trump administration. And I said, you know what, just for shits and giggles, I'm going to try watching the CBS evening news. And it was delightful. It was a half hour of news. I think Trump might have been mentioned once, and it was something quick and fleeting and get off it. And it was reporting on all this other stuff in the world, like fires and floods and earthquakes and, you know, the more fun stuff. Well, you know, that's really comes down to, um, I don't know about CNN, although in in the uh, evenings, I think they do go more opinion. But MSNBC, Fox, uh, CNN, they're all basically opinion shows. Right. Now, some of them are more erudite than others, as I think we can probably agree about uh, Rachel Maddow. And um, that's what they are. Yeah. Now, the thing that does disturb me somewhat about the uh, CBS News, uh, which I admittedly have not watched, but when you said that they only fleetingly address some of the governmental problems, I do think those are important for people to know, particularly people in the flyover uh, section of the country. No, and, no, no. I'm not saying they don't cover it. They, they cover it, but they cover it by just giving you the facts and getting off it and moving on to the next story. Oh, good. They don't, they don't belay the, the thing and, and just endlessly discuss it with guest after guest talking about the same thing and people who claim to be experts and really don't know what the hell's going on so that's what drives me crazy about the cable shows is that it's people yelling at each other 
And we don't need that. It's not teaching me anything. Right. And as you said, it is very, very repetitive. So um, uh, what I usually uh, do is I watch uh, Rachel Meadows as uh, what they they call it, the A block, the first section, where she Mm -hmm. um, kind of goes in depth on whatever subject. And then it's like, yeah, okay, you covered it. I don't need to know what anybody else thinks. And then I go on and I I watch uh, some wacky uh, Netflix or Acorn or BritBox or Prime thing that that just entertains me. And I can watch those with my pants on. And I used to be a Rachel Maddow fan with my pants on. Um, But what drives me crazy about her is she just tends to go on and on and on and never gets to a point. It's like, okay, and we'll tell you about that after the break. And they come back from the break, and she goes on another long monologue, and then... That's why I don't come back after the break. (laughs) So I started watching, uh, who's uh, Chris Cuomo? He's, I don't know, he's kind of daffy. Sometimes I like him, sometimes I don't. But that's true with all of them. I think Anderson Cooper does a good job of just asking questions and then moving on. But again, I'm tired of seeing the same people talking over and over again. And people who have, you know, for a lot of them have lost their credibility. Uh, yeah. And especially on the and Trump they, side. It's the same, in quote, experts all the time. And so you pretty much already know it what they're going to say and that's why i say right. why bother you what i watch the a block yeah. if she doesn't have a point on the a block well it doesn't matter because i'm not watching any further so uh, but now netflix so i i watched this show on netflix um last week called um paranoid yes you've told me about that show i have yet to see it but i it's on my watch list it's kind of like a shaggy dog story in that it goes on and, and it grabs you along the way. But then the end, it was, there's, there's a famous old story. Richard Kiley, I think, used to tell it about Buddy Hackett. When Buddy Hackett was doing I Had a Ball on Broadway. And Hackett would never stick to the script. He'd go all over the place and never, you know, the rest of the cast would just have to kind of go along with him because he never, never stuck to the script. And then, you know, he'd go on and on and he'd look at his watch and he'd see it was 11 o'clock and he'd go, that's it, curtain down. (laughs) And he'd just end the show. It's okay. We've entertained them long enough. And that's what this was like is I'm watching this show and all of a sudden, okay, we, we gave you enough of a mystery. We're done. Everybody's fine and dandy and oh wow! So it is kind of like uh, the uh, the Shaggy Dog movie. At the end, you discover that uh, the the Disney company fired Tommy Kirk because he was gay. So you know that was it. I think the Disney Corporation they have made uh, made peace with the LGBT uh, community since then. But it was really wrong to uh, to fire Mr. Kirk because he was you know a good mediocre actor. When did they? Well, they didn't fire him. I mean, he was in the movie. Oh yeah, but uh, afterwards, uh, uh, they fired him. Yeah, that's why you don't you didn't see Tommy Kirk very, very much after that. Well, Disney's Disney's good about firing people. The uh, now I, I I have something else. Last in our last podcast, we bitched about tech or tech woes. This week, I had a kitchen mishap. It had nothing to do with your phone and radio, right? It had nothing to do with my phone and my radio. That's an ongoing problem that, despite multiple resets on both devices, has not been fixed. you got to get a new car. And I've given up. 
I, I, <laughs> I, I think the phone is a little cheaper. The, uh, I, and I think I will be going with a new phone uh, soon. But um, the, it, I was all set to buy an Instant Pot. Do you know what an Instant Pot is? Uh, yes, I do. It is a combination slow cooker and pressure cooker. Uh, even more. Oh, yeah. Because it's got like nine or, you know, eight, eight, it does everything except your laundry. Ooh. And it probably could do that if you had a small enough load. But um, it, it really, it has nine, well, the one I was looking at that Costco was carrying has nine different functions in one device. I have enough trouble. So it's great. I have enough trouble just operating a slow cooker. Well, that's why you get this and it'll, it'll do it for you, I think. Uh, if it could only do the prep work, that would make things so much easier. But I was all set... I had it in my budget to go out and buy an Instant Pot, and my coffee maker died Oh, the other day. Oh, my goodness. Where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio? I had, well, it wasn't, no, it wasn't a Mr. Coffee. I'm not going to badmouth Mr. Coffee, but it was uh, a Keurig. You know what a Keurig is? Oh, I certainly do. It's one of those things that's filling up landfills. It is because they're crap. They don't. They have no life expectancy whatsoever. You know, they don't last. Although mine, I might have gotten three years out of it. I don't know. But and and I don't. What is what does the rule book say about how long a coffee maker should last? Until uh, you have your last cup of coffee. Uh, okay. I'm not sure how to interpret that. Well, of your life. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, then you see, and, and that was true in the old days. Because I, uh, I think my grandmother had the same percolator from the time my father was born till the time I went off to college. Except she wasn't around by then. But okay, now now you've you you have reintroduced a word into the lexicon: percolator. Percolator. Where have percolators gone? I mean, my my family used to have a a resident percolator. They they've stopped. And I mean, they had actually. I remember too one that actually sat on the so on the stove. It had like right. its own little uh, uh, heating source. And then after they decided to upgrade, then they had a, an electric percolator that resided on the kitchen table, and it always had coffee in it. I mean, here's my dad. You know, eleven forty-five at night. I gotta have a cup of coffee. Helps me sleep. What? Right? I know, right? That's what I I always said. What? I never understood that. People apparently it did, though. I don't get that. (laughs) My father-in-law was like that too. He had to have a cup of coffee at night with dinner. What? Why? Aren't you getting ready for bed? What is? No, I have to stop drinking coffee at ten in the morning, or I'm up all night. You know, you're right. I mean, they they come up with something that works perfectly fine, and then somebody's going to come up with something quote unquote better that they then have to get everyone to run out and buy the latest greatest gadget, and it it never quite makes the same decent item. And you know, this is this really is weird. It really is synchronicity because. You see, last week after the podcast, uh, I was just sort of mulling around, and I thought, wow, you know, I remember those percolated cups of coffee tasted really good, but I don't seem to see percolators anymore. Hmm. And now you bring it up, and now I'm thinking, you know, that might be a money-making idea. We could just get, you know, back it, market it to all the baby boomers. But it has to have a, a, a Wi-Fi connection and an app 
to go with it. Well, of and course. And then you can get everyone, all the baby, uh, never mind the baby boomers, the, the uh, Gen Xers and Zers and Gen Quaddle Quack and Wakens. Yes, that, that's true. Uh, well, you know, I think the, the way to really solve that, because now I remember whether it was the percolator on the stove or the percolator sitting on my parents' kitchen table. So you see, it was always on, always you know, I always had coffee going. So I, all you have to do is on the side, just put the term Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. You don't have to actually have Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. Just have it there. Yeah, because chances are it wouldn't work anyway. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> this is an app. Go try to find it. Ha! Not available on <laughs> iTunes or the Play Store. <laughs> or, you know, you could, you could create an app, too, that uh, basically connects to nothing. I like it. An app that does nothing. We've got it. And so you put the instructions. You say uh, fill with water, uh, empty old grounds, put new grounds in, uh, you know, plug in. And uh, then you, you could even put a little light instead of a light that comes on to indicate that the power source is on. The light would just say connected. Ooh. Ooh, I think you might have something there. Now, so I have to tell you, now I've had two different Keurigs in my life in the last uh, 10 years or whatever it is I i've never had a decent cup of coffee out of it i mean I, it's it's okay it's passable and like like I, a friend of mine said today he said you don't buy a keurig for good coffee you make it you get one for the convenience of a quick cup of coffee and and that's true that's true you don't if you really want great coffee you get a french press and that takes manual labor yeah, but you know, um, at least with a French press, you're not uh, totally responsible for uh, you know filling up your landfill with old Keurig uh, thingies. That that's true. And but now I so I went out uh, yesterday and I bought a a machine that has two sides to it, and one side takes pods like the Keurig pods. And the other side is just a carafe, and you brew it the old-fashioned way with the little filter in the basket. And you put the grounds in, and you brew uh, your pot of coffee. Um, so you can you can do it both ways. So this morning, getting ready for work, and I never have time to fuss with coffee, so I just throw a pot in and put put out my cup of coffee. Better, it was not a Keurig. This is a Hamilton Beach made a better cup of coffee than I ever got out of the Keurig. Out of a pod. Whoa, that's interesting. It was richer. It was more coffee-like. I loved it. And it was hot. Keurig n never got hot. You know, I was just thinking, though, that the proper labeling on that, uh, you know, the both sides is would be an arrow pointing to the uh, the pod side and an arrow pointing to the um, the brew side with good cup, bad cup on it. Uh, so, Oh, that's a good, that would be good. But no, this makes a good pod of coffee and you know that that new craze with cold brewed coffee mm -hmm. there's a thing called cold brewed coffee i thought that was something keurig invented just to justify the coffee they made oh yeah oh yeah um i have i have no comment because the the way i make cold brewed coffee is to just turn the coffee maker off and then uh, i'll have that uh, the next morning that's <laughs> That's true. Or later in the day, and and just to be formal about it, you throw an ice cube in. Of course. Hey, it's iced coffee. 
<laughs> no, it's not. It's old coffee that went bad, and I'm just trying to make it palatable. Yeah, but now with, you know, the uh, the, the creamers that you can get. See, I, I, I usually just pick up, you know, some ordinary old creamer, but I was looking the other day in the dairy section. By the way, none of these creamers are dairy, so it's mislabeling to have them in the dairy section. Yeah. But they have, you know, like uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Creamer. <laughs> Almond Joy Creamer. Yeah, I want to see you suck that almond down. Uh, so it's really interesting. See, you don't actually have to have a good cup of coffee. You can repair it. That's right. That's right. But actually, I do drink almond milk. I, I drink a, a terrific almond milk. I think if I'm, it, it comes in a weird, it's like a bottle that you expect to rub it and get a genie out of. You know, but it, it's a really cool shape, um, which just gives them an excuse to give you less creamer in it for the same price. But uh, I think it was called Califia Farms, ah, which wow. is, I, I think they're local in Washington. I'm not sure, but it, it's excellent. It's like the best almond milk I've tasted. It's rich and creamy and it's delicious. And at first, when I first discovered it, they seemed to be having supply problems. And that every time I went into the store to get it, up oh, they're at, we're out, we're out. When are you getting more? We don't know. But now I think they've fixed the problem, and they've obviously found a better source of almonds or something, or or they they milk the almonds. Yeah, they, well, see, that's what I was imagining is that they have this whole crew of people with really tiny hands. They do. Who are you know just milking the almonds? <laughs> They do. Hey, speaking of milking, now this is a weird segue, but um, I, I met a, a young lady today um, named Ellie Lax. Ellie Lax created a, uh, a rescue organization called The Gentle Barn. There are three of them. There's one in California, there's one in St. Louis, uh, and there's a new one in Tennessee. Um, and this is a wonderful organization that rescues uh, farm animals and, and different kinds of animals. And it's like, you know, there are other rescue organizations for cats and dogs and household pets. This tends to, uh, they go for horses and cows and pigs and goats, the kind of animals that are, you find on farms and petting zoos and that are often terribly abused. And she rescues them. In one location alone, she's got 170 animals. And it's great. They, they, they nurse these animals back to good health. They give them a great life. And then they invite troubled kids from different organizations and schools and things and at-risk children and bring them in to hug a cow. And it, and it changes their lives. She said it, it's amazing how you see these, these hardened kids from abused backgrounds. And they come in as soon as they get with these animals. It's like the, the outer shell melts away. And then they all become vegans and get jobs milking almonds. This might happen. But um, but actually, take a look. Go go to their site, gentlebarn.org, I think it is, um, or gentlebarn.com. I'm not sure, but check it out. And uh, look at, or go to YouTube. There are a lot of videos online, and they, the videos will make you cry. And you will never, I said, you've done a great job at, um, I, I've always thought cows were kind of cool, 
But now I think they're warm and cuddly. Well, they actually are. Now, back when I was a youngster, <laughs> I, uh, I, my family lived literally on the edge of, of town. Uh, across the back of our fence was uh, rural pasture land. And uh, there were often uh, a herd of white-faced cows grazing back there. And I do remember one morning, probably about 3 a.m., a spring, lovely spring morning. All the windows were opening when I heard uh, outside my window, hmm, and I thought, hmm, not the same <laughs> tone, of course. But uh, I, so I, I got up and I walked over the wind, to the window and I became, I was literally inches away face to face with a white Hereford cow. They had uh, knocked their fence down and decided to explore the neighborhood, which I thought was kind of cool. And uh, uh, the people who took care of the the cattle, they, they came and they got them. And, you know, you were talking about hugging cows. That's what they did. And I thought that was really cool. They just put their arm around the cow's neck, not rough, you know, dragging the cow, just put their arm around the neck, and then they walked them back. And so the next opportunity I had when the cows were actually calm and grazing, I did go and I climbed the fence and got in and, and I hugged a cow. And they are, they, they seem to enjoy that. And that's why I, I've kind of stopped eating steaks. And, mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I do, I, you know, slip and do ground beef maybe once a month or so. But, yeah, I, you know, cows are affectionate. Pigs are incredibly affectionate and very intelligent. And darned if those little baby goats in pajamas don't get me every time. Uh, uh, love goats. Goats are cool. I would have a goat, but I, I have too much glass in my house and I, <laughs> I i just pictured this goat coming right through the glass well the so. thing they don't tell you about goats because again you know i, I grew up in a semi-rural area actually uh this was more in the downtown area when i was growing up people still had kept goats to keep their grass down uh, and the thing about goats is they can climb, and they will climb fences, and they will go to search for greener pastures. So uh, it was not uncommon to see goats wandering around the town square with people going, come on back. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm amazed at how many, I, I mean, the, you talk about the grass, and I see that in a lot of places around here, is people have two or three goats to basically keep their lawns neat and clean. Mm -hmm. So it's amazing. I, I find myself, um, I, I, especially these days, I think more compassionate toward animals than I am toward humans. Well, you know, animals uh, will only vote for their own interests. So I, I think that that's that's usually it. You, you mean know, the, people will only vote for their oh animals. no 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 people that's that's the problem going on with the country right now is is there's a mass of people who are not considering what their own interests are, and they're voting against them. But animals, on the other hand, you say, are you interested in food? And they'll say, I'll vote yes. <laughs> that's true. I you know I was driving in to work this morning. And I, I drive on a fairly dark two-lane road when I get going. And I see this dog off to the right heading toward me. And it was, looked like an old 
collie or some kind of a sheepdog, and it was black and brown, so it was hard to see in the light. I just kind of caught a glimpse of it, and it's coming toward my car, and I figured, okay, the dog's going to stop. When it gets to the road, it's just wanting to say hi to all the morning commuters. And no, after I passed it, it kept going across the road. And I look in my rearview mirror, and people are slamming on their brakes and swerving all over the road to avoid this dog who was oblivious. It probably was deaf and blind or something, and just totally oblivious to the traffic. I was very worried about the dog. It, it has bothered me all day. Well, I hope somebody has uh, rescued that dog and either found their owner or at least gotten the dog to a safe place. I, we can only hope. I don't know. I haven't heard anything. I didn't hear about any accidents uh, or anything on the road. So I'm hoping that the dog did get across the road. And, you know, there is an excellent book, uh, several years old now. It's called The Secret Life of Dogs. And actually the uh, author heard about a dog uh, in the Boston, Massachusetts area. And the dog would just sort of disappear fairly early in the morning. And the owners had no idea what was going on, but the dog always returned uh, a little before dusk. So the author decided to uh, to shadow the dog. The dog had a route that, that uh, he ran, and he had lots of friends and lots of visitors, both human and canine, and he knew how to cross streets so that he crossed safely. It's uh, the book, The Secret Life of Dogs, can't remember the author, but it does detail that. It's quite, quite interesting when you get into uh, the reasoning capability of, uh, of some animals, yeah. like dogs. Yeah. I am convinced that my—I have two cats and a dog, and I am convinced that they have a secret life. I know that after I leave the house in the morning— they are on the phone to their friends, calling them over for a party. I think there was probably <laughs> a mad, wild party going on here during the day with other neighborhood cats and dogs. Well, my daughter uh, has uh, several pets, but uh, she does have an Irish wolfhound, and she has a cat that I believe is probably about uh, 13, 14 years old. Hmm. These two are excellent friends and co-conspirators. <laughs> so that uh, the dog locates stuff and then the cat uh, gets it. So the dog will say, I think there's some uh, uh, treats on top of the, uh, the refrigerator. And the cat says, gotcha, jumps up there. Knocks them off, and then they both share. (laughs) (laughs) I think that happens. Except my dog, uh, my dog and my my cats are not quite in sync yet. My dog runs up the stairs to play with them, and one confronts him, goes nose to nose with him, and hisses at him, and the other one hides under the bed. Uh, Well, my dog and my cat, uh, they... uh, I have to keep them separated because uh, they really intensely dislike each other. Although I do have another dog that uh, is the same color. They're both ginger colored. And uh, they kind of really enjoy just, you know, the uh, uh, association and sniffing each other's butts. Uh, oh, that's that's. Uh, do you think if humans did that, we'd get along better? Uh, I think that probably we would start wars. <laughs> Only because, you know, somebody would come up to be really friendly with me, I'd bend down, and I'd just get really extra tense and just fart. 
and Ooh. and and you know and and it would probably be a ninja fart. Lovely. It's, you know, and then so I'd get slugged right there. You know, what? how dare you? How dare you sneak that one out? <laughs> you know? We are at the end of our time. Oh my! That means have, that means that it's time for a trivia question. And it's your turn. Uh, it's my turn, and I have a great question. Who was the first Batman on film? Oh, my. Oh, my. And uh, just a quick hint, it was not William Shatner. No, it wasn't. And I have a personal connection to, to this person. Ooh, that's, that's even great. So that, so next time, uh, we'll be here at the same bat time and same, same bat, bat channel. channel. Yes, We will. Have a great time. Until that time, I'm Steve. I'm Byron. And we are Old Guys Guys Bitching. Created, written, produced, and voiced by Steve Fisher and Byron Tidwell. Audio mix and editing by Byron Tidwell. Recorded by accident at studios in Seattle and Las Vegas. Archive podcasts at iTunes Podcast and at podcast.com backslash old hyphen guys hyphen bitching. Don't write out hyphen, just use the little dash thingy. Copyright 2018, all rights reserved. <laughs>